Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? Good. Afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. So that happened time. It's uh, about what we expected time. Maybe maybe a little better than we expected time, and that's it's kind of why it's sad time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols twenty four seven podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here. Very late on a Saturday evening probably be early early sunday morning before we're able to drop this podcast for you not just me on this podcast though joined by uh the other go vols 24 7 staff member who was at the tennessee florida football game on saturday that obviously would be patrick brown the one only patrick brown our tennessee football beat writer at go vols 24 7 pat you and i just watched tennessee's uh 31 to 19 loss to uh to to six ranked Florida at Neyland Stadium probably a little bit um better score uh, for Tennessee than the game you know than they probably would have deserved didn't really seem like a twelve point game it, it really wasn't if we're being honest but uh, what were your thoughts overall maybe it could have been worse but just just not very good well uh, it was first of all the balls shout out to them for the backdoor cover yeah take that uh, Vegas. They, uh, I don't know who out there watches Bad Beats with Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter on Monday nights after Monday Night Football, but uh, if you since these last game they didn't show. Uh, apparently, they were on the wrong end of it against Auburn. I wonder if they'll make it this time uh, on Monday because of the touchdown with thirty something seconds left or whatever. Um, but no, I mean, I you know I, I think you you did a good job managing the game right until the end of the first half. Um, and that one bad defensive series, and we've seen this with Florida, they, they're they're really good in that middle eight area, which is what Jeremy Pruitt calls it. Other coaches may have different names for it, but uh, the last four minutes of the first half, the first four minutes of the second half, um, that might have been the difference in the game. Now, it might not have been the difference in the game had it gone differently, but, you know, your Tennessee, you're, you're playing hard there. Um, you know, it was 3 nothing after first quarter. You're, you're leading at one point. Um, it's 10-7. If you find a chance to get off the field there and get a defensive stop right before the half, uh, at worst, you're down three going into the second half. And, and instead, well, they gave up, what, a third and 12 and a third and 11. I think there was another third down there. You let Florida go all the way down the field um, and, and get a touchdown to make it 17-7. And then, you know, right out of the gates, it's, you know, before you can blink, it's 24-7. So, you know, your offense doesn't need a chance to touch the ball. And then they're down. They go from being in the game to being down three scores. And you know, from that point, Florida could, you know, kind of do what it needed to do. It could work on its run game if it wanted to. It could uh, open it back up. And, you know, it, it seemed like Florida could have maybe scored as many as they wanted to. Now, that's not to take anything away from Tennessee's defense. I think they did some, some good things in the second half. I don't know how many times Florida's offense has gone two at, uh, three and out twice in a row this season. But 
Tennessee managed to pull it off. They got a fourth down stop. And they're, I think, just outside the red zone. So, um, but even then, Tennessee's offense wasn't really clicking. It wasn't really taking advantage of, of the stops that Tennessee got right there in the, uh, in the third quarter to try to keep, you know, keep the game somewhat within reach. But uh, yeah, I mean, they didn't get run off the field, you know, that they played hard for the full 60 minutes. This doesn't look like a team that's mailed it in or anything, um, but still a team that's just uh, a lot of, a lot of the problems that we've seen all season continued to to show up uh, on, on Saturday. Yeah. The middle eight, in my opinion, was the, the difference in the game. And and I think you, you got to say a couple of things about that. One, you, you mentioned this, that Florida's really good in those situations, and that's that's probably the softest way you can put it, you know, because I think really Florida has played, I think, now nine games this season or eight games, I think maybe nine, and it has, nine. And it has scored on its final possession of the first half in every single game this season, which is just a crazy stat. Um, but it kind of shows that, that when they really need something, they're, they, they really go and they get it. Uh, and Florida did. I mean, you know, Florida had 19 rushing yards in the game on, on 17 carries. Florida – it does not have a great rushing offense, but normally is better than that. So Tennessee remains a pretty tough defense to just kind of square up and run against. The Vols are pretty good at stopping that. And, and really, you know, Florida had, I think, at least 25 yards on a few end arounds to receivers. So Florida's running backs and kind of traditional running game lost yardage in that game. So uh, I, I think there's something to, to be said about that. I, I think the the wheels have not fallen off with Tennessee. I think that you're seeing a team still play hard playing hard for themselves, playing hard for each other, playing hard for their coaches. Uh, they've not mailed it in, as you said. I And, and I want to be careful how I put that because, you know, you should play hard, right? Like you, that, that should be a given. But Tennessee had maybe 16, 17, 18, 19 players, somewhere in that range of guys who had not practiced in two weeks. Uh, several of them still went out there and played against Florida uh, and played okay. Uh, so I, I think that there's – for people who said they're Milligan in or they're quitting, yes, Ramel Keaton has, is not going to play the rest of the season. Yes, Sean Schamberger is not going to play the rest of the season. Uh, and D'Angelo Gibbs chose not to play this season. But other than that, those guys are still out there and they're still playing and they're, they're, just, not, they're just not very good, uh, really, is what it comes down to. And yeah, it, and, and that's not to say, you know, when we say they're, you know, they didn't mail it in, I mean, that, that shouldn't be necessarily a, a quote-unquote positive that you take from this game because that's what you should do. Right. I mean, and, yeah, and, Pru- and Pruitt, you know, regardless of the score. And Pruitt admitted that too. Pruitt came out and yeah. said, "Listen, I'm I'm proud of them for playing hard, but we're just not very good, and I don't come here to lose close games." So yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's yeah. I mean, he, he kind of was talking a little bit like there were some positives to take from this game. And he was asked about, you know, can you take positives from this game? He's like, no, you know, you come here to win, you coach to win. Um, he his. Uh, I don't want to say gotten a little snippy in some post game press conferences, but the, oh no, I mean, he's he, he's gotten snippy. You can call that what it is. He's gotten he, snippy. He's, he's gotten a little snippy, and I think probably is because he doesn't like to lose, and he's not used to losing. And um, this is a guy that that's won a lot of places that he's been. So you know, losing six games in a row, uh, it hasn't happened at Tennessee since 1988. It probably hasn't happened to Pruitt ever. Um, so you know, yeah. this is new new territory for him. So that that's. Uh, and, and that's not to say that there weren't positives that Tennessee can take from this game, but you know you lost. That's that's the that's the bottom line. I mean, taking positives from a from a game is something that you do when you're in your first year, maybe early in your second year. Once you get to the third year, there's not really none of that really holds water. Like right, I mean, you you gotta it determines how it, it's more about how you play and did you win or not. And Tennessee didn't play well enough to win and. 
um, and they lost. So here we are. Yeah, and, and I think th- there's a big point that I want to discuss in, in the second segment a little bit later on about just sort of Tennessee's problems offensively being sort of the reason that they're kind of stuck in the mud as a program right now because defensively they're they're not great but defensively a lot of teams Florida's not great defensively uh, you know it, it, most teams are out there scoring points and, and Tennessee is not and that's that's probably the biggest reason why Tennessee is where it is but but more we'll have more time to talk about that in the second segment for now I, I do think we need to mention this was Harrison Bailey's first career start Tennessee's uh, touted freshman quarterback went out there and I'll be honest with you, he did not set the world on fire. Uh, he, he did not go out there. He, he, he To say something positive, he did not look nervous. Uh, he did not make, as far as I could tell, any horrible decisions with the ball, risking turnovers or anything. Um, but he just kind of was there. Tennessee's offense was just, was just kind of there with him. It, it didn't really do much going forward. I don't know how much of it was them protecting him a little bit with some of those calls versus just not executing big plays. But it, it should be said that there were – I'm going to be kind and say two, but there may have been three or four uh, opportunities for big plays in the first half that I think he, he's got to make some of those. And, and he didn't make them in the game. And when you're trying to beat Florida, you know you got to score 30-plus points. You know you got to make those plays. And, and then uh, really kind of surprising, in my opinion at first, that the Bailey – uh, was put on the bench in the fourth quarter for J.T. Stroud. I did not see that coming, to be honest with you. Um, but Stroud goes out there and plays pretty well. We'll talk about him in a minute. But what do you think about Bailey's first start, Pat? Well, I, I agree with you. I think he did show some poise. Um, I did think he had some fresh moments, too. And uh, you mentioned some of the plays that he missed. There were three plays that off the top of my head jump out, and they were the two, um, I think they call them rail routes, uh, the slot fades to Bayless Jones, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a, that, that's rail, a, play that a corner seen. flag, whatever you want to call it, something like it's, that. It's it's pretty much you're lined up with your guy, the, whoever's the slot is lined up against this guy, and hey, go go outrun him, and we're and we'll throw it up, and you go under it. Um, that that's you know it's a play that Tennessee's worked successfully multiple times this season, right? I mean, yep. I've seen him do it with Jalen Hyatt. I think Brandon Johnson caught one early, you know, against South Carolina. So. Um, that's a that's a route they've had a lot of success with, and, and Bailey overthrew him twice. Um, and uh, I, I was wondering to myself, what other quarterbacks on this roster make that throw? Uh, we know Jack Antano can. Yeah, I mean, people aren't going to uh, want to hear it, but it's the truth. He does make that throw. It's, it's pretty consistently. true, and, and you know that that's a throw that he can make. I think Shrout can make it. Nobody's ever questioned his arm strength down the field and accuracy um, with the deep ball and. Um, and, and it's a throw that Bailey didn't did make. You know, I think he overthrew him twice. Uh, so I guess that's not necessarily a question of arm strength, but um, you know, maybe a little bit of touch down the field. There was another throw, um, I think, to Josh Palmer yeah, on a Palmer. post where if he leads him or puts a little bit more air under it, Palmer's got a chance. He threw it kind of hard and kind of high, and, and and I think the defender got a hand on it. So uh, and maybe Palmer should have you know made a better effort to get the you know get a hand on the ball there, um, not helping out his quarterback, but. You know, I, I think but Bailey, if that but if that throw that, had been put just about anywhere else, he would have had a chance to make a pretty easy play yeah. on the ball, though, because he had beaten the he had beaten the DB. Yeah, and so I, I think that's a big part of what this offense wants to be under Jim Chaney is that you know they want to stretch the ball down the field vertically, um, and if you have a quarterback that you know maybe doesn't have the arm strength or doesn't have the accuracy down the field, I think that that's that's an issue. But uh, I, I don't think Bailey got a lot of help. Um, he didn't get a lot of help early from some of the play calling, some of the run run. You know, you're stuck in third down situations. Those those weren't ideal very early. 
Um, I think they snapped out of that a little bit, but Tennessee didn't really run the ball too well. I think they averaged, I think uh, Eric Gray and Ty Chandler averaged four yards of carry between them, uh, which is not terrible, but it's also – They're capable of better. Yeah, they, they can they can run the ball better. Uh, and Ch- Ch- Chandler, sport. yeah, Chandler left a few couple big plays on the field in the first half just by falling down, honestly. Yeah, and, you know, they just need to – I don't know if they need to change cleats or what, but – um, and then, you know, they had some pass protection breakdowns. I do think a couple of the sacks that, that Bailey took were on him for holding the ball too long. He obviously had the intentional grounding, which was uh, could have been a big play in the game there because uh, I know Brent Smagley's had some issues kicking it, but, you know, he, he was going to get a chance to attempt about a 49, 50-yard or 50-yard field goal there. And, you know, you hit that, it's a two-possession game. I always say is if as long as you're within two scores, you're quote-unquote in the game, right? Yeah, you're a, play, you're a play away from being a play away from tying it. Yes, that's my line, yes. Um, and so, you know, that, that was a big play when he, you know, that they turned a guy loose up the middle and he kind of threw it away and didn't, you know, didn't throw it to where anybody was, um, you know, that that's taking a bad play and making it worse. Right. You know, we saw that, um, in the Auburn game with, with the, with the pick six that Garantano threw, it wasn't open. It was a bad play. Um, and he made it worse by forcing the ball in there. And in this case, it was Bailey taking a, a bad play because nobody was open. They didn't block the guy that, that rushed up the middle and, um, you get the intentional grounding feeling that knocks you out of field goal range. That was, you know, midway of the third quarter, right? I mean, it could have been, you know, you could have been still within a shot a little bit more of of, uh, of maybe trying to get back in the game there, and that was a mistake. So, um, you know, like I said, that they had a couple issues where, you know, Florida ran a twist up front or, uh, or, or ran a blitz a certain type of way, and Tennessee had two guys blocking one guy, and one guy came free and, and got the sack, you know. So he, he didn't get – Billy didn't get as much help as I think he needed to, you know, as a freshman quarterback making his first start. But I think you saw some good things. I think you saw a guy that has some good, maybe. And of course, I just said he he took some sacks that he shouldn't, but he did, you know he did have some good pocket presence and moved away from the pressure and um, you know scrambled a couple times for for positive gains. But um, yeah, I, I think you have to remember that this is a guy that uh, is still early in his development and. Um, you know, I, I think you saw some good things, but I still also think you saw some moments tonight where he, he looked like a freshman making his first start. Yeah, and, and the reason that 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 I think we're mentioning more of Tennessee's offense and Tennessee's defense, you know, that's just a half or a third, whatever you want to call it, of the game. But I think that, that we all knew going into the game, Florida's Kyles are pretty incredible, right? I mean, Kyle Trask might win the Heisman Trophy, and in my opinion, Kyle Pitts might be the best player in college football. You know, Devontae Smith might have something to say about that, but Kyle Pitts is just fantastic. And, you know, Tennessee, we sort of knew Florida was going to put points on the board against Tennessee. The question for me, at least going into the game, and I think for a lot of other people also, was could Tennessee score enough to make it interesting? Because you know Florida's going to score points. I mean, Florida, if Florida and Alabama lap next week, Florida's going to put points on the board. Florida's going to score points against, you know, Clemson against anyone. It's just, you know, could Tennessee score some points on on the other end of the field to, to make things interesting? And and so that was that was to me the story of the game was that I think Tennessee's defense actually played better than a lot of people expected. So we don't I don't want to ignore that because I think that's a good thing, but I think Tennessee's offense is a bit of the issue here and there's something that I really want to really want to mention going into the second segment before we do that though we do need to step away for a quick break going to pay some bills listen to products add services and we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about uh, just something that I saw in Saturday's game that, that really got me thinking about just how frustrating things are right now for Tennessee so let's let's talk about that here in just a second hashtag add 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you are listening to or just listened to a moment ago. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Saturday night. Patrick Brown coming to us from an undisclosed location. Talking Tennessee's 31-19 loss to six-ranked Florida on Saturday at Neyland Stadium, which is, as the crow flies, about 1.9 miles, I believe, from right here at Fort Rucker Studio. Uh, And I mention that specifically because – um, I'm offsetting Pat's vagueness and his his undisclosed things, so I get really specific, so it levels out. It's kind of a good yin and yang that we got going on here. Talking a little bit more about Tennessee and Florida, but before we do that, I am going to again mention what I mentioned every single episode, guys. Please go in, take a minute out of your day, and please hit the subscribe button on this podcast. Please rate and review this podcast. There is nothing out there you can do that will help us more than that. We do this podcast for free, and we're happy to do it for free. It's a labor of love even on nights like this when it's like, what are we talking about right now? It's still a labor of love, and we're happy to do it. But the one thing, uh, whether you're listening to us on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever you can cast a fine pod, anywhere in the world, you can find the Go Voss 24-7 podcast. We're everywhere, and we're doing it for free, and we just want you to go in there and rate and review uh, this podcast and, and leave a leave a comment. You know, we'll probably do some giveaway stuff at some point. We're, we listen to we look for show topics and other ideas on there. Uh, and we got basketball coming up soon too. So there's going to be tons more stuff, even more than usual. So there's a lot of fun things going on here. Um, but I would really appreciate it if y'all could go in there and take a minute out of your day and do that. Pat Tennessee scored 19 points Saturday, and you know really. Y- you know that wasn't that wasn't a two score game. I think for for the most part there, Florida extend, extended the three scores there early in the third quarter, and at that point Tennessee was kind of cooked, and we know that. But the final few minutes of that game, Florida at least the fourth quarter, I think Florida was still playing hard, hard enough to get a roughing the passer penalty or two. I mean, Florida was was coming after Shroud there in the fourth quarter when he came in there for Harrison Bailey. But the thing that that really I don't know if frustrate is the right word, but just one thing that really stood out to me was we saw again in the fourth quarter that 
Tennessee is not really a bad football team, in my opinion. It's a solid or decent football team being dragged to the ground by poor quarterback play. And it's not just the quarterbacks. I mean, it's, it's it, everybody could be a little bit better, right? There's no perfect player on that team. When you're two and six, nobody's perfect. But when Shrout got in there and just ran the offense, threw the ball accurately downfield, made the right decisions, put the ball where it was supposed to be on time, that offense works. And, you know, we say all the time that Tennessee, some people say that, and I say it sometimes too, Pat, that Tennessee is playing kind of an archaic offense, it feels like, when you see what other people are out there doing. But the fact is, when Shrout got in there and just played decently at the quarterback position, everything started to look different. I mean, am I crazy for thinking that? Well, no. I mean, I think it's a similar situation to what Harrison Bailey did against Auburn. I mean, if you're going to – you can't sit here and discount what JT Shroud did at the end of the Florida game and then but talk up Harrison Bailey and say, oh, he looks so great against Auburn. I mean, Right. That's true. That, that that that's that that's that would be um what's that what's the, what, right? Yeah, what's that word when, when people are, are are getting the answers but only the ones they're searching for? There's a word for that, some sort of bias. I'm not really on the top of my game right now. Recency bias, self fulfilling prophecy. So something somewhere somewhere around somewhere in between those. There's a phrase, and I'm sure everyone listening here, someone's gonna point it out and mention it to me in the comments, and that's fine because I can't come up with it. But right now I think people are looking for what you know, and we've said this before that people want Bailey to be great because they've seen all the other Tennessee quarterbacks fail and they've not really seen him fail yet. So there's always this hope that if he's great, then hey, man, that changes everything. But the fact is, when Shrout came in there and just ran, you know, ran the offense the way it was supposed to, connected on some passes downfield when guys got open, uh, it looks better, man. It just, it just does that. Well, it, go on, go on. No, I think well, I think we need to give uh, we need to give JT some credit, right? Because it would have been easy for him to absolutely talk, and, and you know, I, I don't want to. I, I would probably say I probably more or less wrote him off after the Kentucky deal, um, and, and and maybe Shroud's a guy that you know have, have they really have we really seen him? I mean, he he seems to have always had the shortest leash, right? I mean, oh, by far, like season. if he, if he breathes wrong when he's out there, he usually gets benched. <laughs> So, I mean, that's, that's the, I mean, that, that's the situation that, you know, he, he threw what one pass against Kentucky uh, and then all the, all the preseason talk from being improved and knowing how to run the offense and all that. So that was all out of the window with that one bad decision he made against Kentucky. And he also didn't send a guy in motion there. So that's basic operation of the offense, but, you know, to his credit, he's, you know, stuck with it. I think he was down as, as the fourth team guy at one point, didn't even travel to Arkansas, right? Yeah, um, and, 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 and you know, when Pruitt offered him some pretty harsh words when he when he threw that pick against Kentucky, and, and you know, there were some some people in the program wondering if Shrout was ever going to play another down for Tennessee and, because things had gotten so bad for him at that point. But he, he, he didn't quit. No, and, and you know, this is, it's a situation where he uh, – you know, he, he got an opportunity today be, or on Saturday because he had two good weeks practice and, and Pruitt um, said after the end that they had planned to play both Bailey and Shrout. And, and we kind of heard that if Tennessee ever was in a game where they knew Jared Grantana would be out and had time to prepare, that they would probably play multiple guys. And so, yeah, um, yeah you know, Jesus maybe say that in hindsight as a head coach, but, you know, that could be a reason why they went to him in the fourth quarter, right? Because if you tell a kid going into the game, hey, we're going to try to get you in the game, uh, and then the the flow of that game means that, um, you know, 
I think Tennessee went two and, you know, they had two drives and then the third drive they went down the field, right? Um, if I'm remembering correctly. So, yeah, you know, maybe it was right. the third or fourth drive when you were thinking about getting Shroud in there. And we saw him rotate Brian Maurer in for a couple of sort of change-up plays. I think he threw a bubble screen. Uh, at one point, it was probably an RPO, and he probably just flipped it out there because they had the numbers advantage. It actually worked, right? It was eight-yard yep. gain on third yep. down. It was a nice play. Uh, and, and then they ran a quarterback power with him, which, you know, we've kind of heard some talk that they might, you know, have sort of a change-up package for him in there. But, um, yeah, you know, I thought Stroud looked like a half-confident quarterback. And, 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 despite, and, he, and he got banged up pretty good on Wednesday. There was a – you know, even Pruitt said after the game, you know, sort of – Well, you know, repeated CBS some of said things. that he had torn his labrum. Um and and JT after the game said that it was just scar tissue. There was no tear. Yeah, um, that, that's that's true. But still, I mean, they they didn't know for sure. They wanted to watch warmups before yeah. they decided if he was going to play on Saturday because yeah, he took no, a pretty good shot. You're right. Pruitt, Pruitt said Pruitt wasn't sure that they were wasn't sure that Pruitt said that they weren't sure if Stratt was going to be available. But um, I think part of the reason they made the switch is that um. That, that maybe they had planned to get JT in the game at some point. I know a lot of people were like, why is he in the game? Why aren't you playing Bailey? I, I, I said it at uh, first. I'll, I'll hand up. I said it too. I mean, I, I at first, when they, when they did that, I go, why the hell did he do that? I mean, all these guys need work, don't they? I mean, you know, if you're not going to play Garantano the next, you know, for the rest of the season, then you're going to be relying on these three guys. And, you know, maybe you benefit from playing more, more of them. And, and you know, a lot of people, like you said, West view Harrison Bailey as the future and the guy. And I just don't um, know that I see it yet. I, I don't. I don't know that. Maybe Tennessee's coaches don't. I mean, maybe we need to sort of realize that. Um, and and I I don't. You know, what told what I saw tonight is that Tennessee starting quarterback in twenty twenty one is going to be whoever they get in the transfer market. I mean, to be completely yeah, or, or or the Salter kid. I mean, you know, um, somewhere or, yeah, or Caden Salter. And so that's you know, if you have three quarterbacks, do you have one? No, you do not. So, I mean, that that's where that's where Tennessee is. And, um, you know, sure, you could, you know, there's comments to be made about the offense and the style, but uh, they have to get that fig- that situation figured out first, right? They have to get that position figured out. It's the most important position on the field. Yes. Um, clearly, they have more issues uh, defensively, uh, which I'm sure we're about to get to. I don't want to say they're a mess. Um, there's some things that, that – it's not just the you know, and we'll like I said, I don't want to get too far into it. But, they're, they're just not uh, dynamic enough defensively, kind of like offensively. They're just not dynamic enough. But one, you know, one final thing on Trout is, you know, what do you know? What do they do at quarterback going into the Vanderbilt game? Man, he he really he really peed in the pool by by playing well. I mean, he really did because now Tennessee's got man, Tennessee's well, got a tough decision to start make. him. What happens is they'll they'll take Trout off this. They'll start him. He'll struggle. And then it's like, you know, if you thought that, that Bailey was going to see, you know, kind of take the job and run with it today, uh, if that was your expectation going in, you're, you're probably leaving this disappointed because now it's you're kind of back at square one with this situation. And who knows what they're going to do from here on out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that, you know, that situation is just not going to clear itself up, right? Because – you know, you Not think until after the season, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you think you give it to Bailey and then see what he does and going forward, and then he goes out there and he's just okay. And then Shroud comes out of nowhere and ends up being, you know, looking every bit as good, probably actually a lot better. He looked better at the end of the Florida game than Bailey did at the end of the Auburn game, if we're being honest. He, he just did. And, you know, it, it, it's sort of – it's going to make that 
tough now because so many people in this fan base are just dead set on Bailey being the guy, and maybe he is. He's a freshman. He just started his first career game. He could be, you know, fantastic. We don't really know yet. But based on what we saw in that game, um, how how can you how can you not give Shroud a, a shot? I mean, I, people might be running off the road right now when I'm saying this, Pat. But I just when you watch the way he performed in that game, and we'll see. There's a whole week of practice. A lot of things can happen. Um, maybe two weeks before in the next game if Vanderbilt can't play next week, and and so a lot of things can change. But I think based on what you saw in that game. You have to at least give Shroud reps in the next game. I mean, he's earned them, right? I mean, that that he looked good. Well, let me put it to you this way, Wes. How many touchdown drives did Harris Bailey lead? Uh, one. How many did JT Shroud lead? Two for two. That's what it comes down to, right? You got to score. And, and listen, I'm not I, – I don't – you know, I have questioned how good JT Shroud is in the past and – um well, no, just the I'm fact that he, he can't he can't avoid making bad decisions because his pure arm talent is probably the best on the roster. It always has been. And I think Garantano's got a really nice arm. I just think Shrout has unbelievable arm talent. Um, but it's just, you know, will he not – will he understand what the offense is supposed to be doing? Will he put the ball where it's supposed to be put? Will he have not throw it into triple coverage? I mean, you know, it's yeah, questions I mean, that, like that. That's, yeah, like I said, he looked, he looked like a half-confident quarterback. Every, you know, sometimes he's not. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't have said he was quote unquote the answer. He still might not be the answer. None of these guys might be the answer, um, both short and long term. But um yeah, I just I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I think that quarterback situation, they're just gonna have to get through these next few games figuring out a way to whoever gives them, you know, the flavor of the day, the flavor of the month, the hot hand. I don't know how how you determine it because it's not a great situation you left yourself, but um, and, you know, and, and you can't some... be good. You can't be good in college football now without being either really good at quarterback or really, really good everywhere else. And, and you could say that's always been the case, but but more so now because, you know, there's – I mean, I think more than 60 teams uh, – I think I'm writing this in my column that I'm going to publish not long after this uh, pod drops, but I, I think there are 127 teams in FBS that have played one game this season. I think 61 of them have, have averaged 30-plus 30 30 points per game. And I think just about that same number average at least like 280 or so passing yards per game. And Tennessee is just woefully behind the mark on all of this. And you you can see trends. You have to be able to do this to to win right now. Even Nick Saban has said, you know what, I I, I my, the way I'd like to play offense, we can't do that anymore. And now he's got one of the most explosive offenses in college football. And I'm not saying that that Tennessee, you know, not every team gets to have a Trask and a and a Pitts or you know a Jones and a Smith or you know a, a Trevor Lawrence and an Amari Rogers. Not every team gets to have that kind of special talent. But there are a, a lot of teams out there that don't have duos like that, and they're still putting up numbers pretty consistently just about every week. And Tennessee has got to do that or else in this era, Tennessee has no chance. I mean, am, am I wrong? Feel free. If, if I'm wrong, I know you'll tell me you think I'm wrong. No, I don't think you're wrong. I just, you know, um, you know, Florida does, I don't think Florida's reinvented the wheel offensively. Uh, they might have reinvented the, the fun and gun with who they have, but I mean, yeah, it just, Dan seems, Mullen, it just it, seems like they flick their wrist and they get 15 yards. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, they have three NFL receivers out there and an NFL quarterback is probably going to the Heisman. So, 
um, they, you know, they're, they're playing to their strengths. And, and Pruitt talked about this a lot during the week leading up to this game. At Mississippi State, they were really a run-heavy team, right? They had Nick Fitzgerald, Dak Prescott. They had running quarterbacks, Zone yeah. Reed, all that stuff. That's what he built his offense around. And now, you know, why does, he, why does Florida even bother trying to run the ball? That's right? what Pruitt, when you're some, someone, 10, someone asked Pruitt about the rushing defense after the game Saturday, and he goes, did they ever try to run it? I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's 10 yards – you know, it's ten and a half yards every time you drop back to the ball. That's that's what Tra- that's what Kyle Trask has averaged this season. So, um, and, and you know, Alabama's not really, you know, Ole Miss is doing sort of the kind of the quirky up tempo, try to run a play every twelve seconds, that kind of deal. Yeah, Al- you don't Al- Alabama have to do that. Alabama just spreads it out, and they're so precise. And and they actually, I, they I think, better athletes than you too. They, they, they do, do but but I think to. Sarkeesian draws up some really nice stuff too, though. No, he does. He's a good offensive coordinator, a good play caller, and, and so is Dan Mullen. I mean, I, we've, we've seen that everywhere. And, you know, kind of the subplot to this game is – or, you know, really the past three years of this game is that Tennessee at one point was kind of wanting to hire Dan Mullen, right? Yeah. Before Shiano, before there was Shiano Sunday, there was uh, Curry, you know, John Curry trying to – And the true story about that. With Dan Mullen. No, I can, t- I can tell you 100% that Dan Mullen had almost packed his bags being like, I'm taking the Tennessee job, and then Florida – Start, got interested and he almost and he basically became a ghost at that point. He was like new phone, who well, did? Yeah, he you know because Florida was interested. Well, he ghosted him, and you know Florida was kind of talking to Chip Kelly and talking to Scott Frost. Yep. Um, and so that was sort of the way that, that the dominoes fell. But it changed really quickly, uh, though. As soon as Florida became interested in Mullen, his interest in Tennessee went kaput, <laughs> and well, he was like all on board for the job. And then all, that that changed really quickly. Yeah, and. You know, with, with Jim Chaney, I just, it's it's really baffling to me that they've struggled so much this season because he's been he's literally been good everywhere he's been. Like, Correct. He's put up thirty five and thirty four and thirty eight points a game at different places. I mean, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. You know, all of his offenses over the past decade have have been good, except for his first year at, at a couple of different places at uh, at Arkansas and at Georgia, right? Yeah. And so. You know, and then his second year, they made a pretty big jump at both of those programs, and it hasn't happened for Tennessee this season for whatever reason. Well, I so, mean, he, he drew. And, and this is a guy that that you know philosophically has won. You know, he's won with uh, a quarterback and you know NFL receivers that you know throw the ball a lot because we saw it at Tennessee in 2012 with Tyler Bray, Corey Parris, and all those guys. Um, and you know, we see you know he sort of built his reputation on what he did throwing the ball at Purdue back in the day. So. Uh, and then he's, he's also had offenses that were kind of run heavy. I mean, he's had offenses that have averaged 200 yards a game rushing at, at Georgia and Arkansas. So he's done it different places, which is making it kind of even more confusing than you're not confusing necessarily, but it's kind of, kind of makes you scratch your head why Tennessee's offense has been, uh, as bad as it is. I mean, this was the first time they scored more than two touchdowns in a game since the Missouri game. Well, I mean, the, the, um, there was a play, there was a play. I don't remember at what point in the game it was, but Tennessee had the ball around midfield and it was a you know a sudden change or Tennessee had a first down and 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 Cheney drew up just an absolutely beautiful beautiful end around call for for Valus Jones Florida did not see it coming and, and basically as soon as Jones got the ball it looked like he he could house it or at least get 30 or 40 yards and all he had to do was kind of get upfield quicker and he needed one block Princeton fan had to block one guy and if he had done that 
you know, that would have been a huge play. And, of course, what happens is Jones kind of strings it out. Fant doesn't block anybody. They get four yards on just a beautifully designed call at the right time. And you can hear – Jim Chaney's in the press box next to us or in the in the box next to us, and you could hear his displeasure pretty loudly there because at that point he is just basically saying, what the bleep do I have to do? I just gave you 40 yards and you gave me four. And, you know, you could say, hey, you're the coach, right? You got to get him to execute better. And that's not that's not wrong. That's not unfair. But I, some of these calls are really good and they're just not executing them. And, and that, that gets to, well, you got to get better players. Or you got to coach them better during the week. Well, and I, th- I think that's part of the problem on defense, too, right? I mean, they. Yeah. Good segue. Um, I like it. You know, defensively, sometimes they have some some calls that are good calls. They just don't execute. Sometimes they. Uh, they just had, you know, haven't had good call. I, you know, third down has been a big issue for Tennessee's defense all season, right? It was a difference, arguably, in today's game because there, there were three third down. You know, Florida was, I think, six of nine on third down uh, in the in the first half. So, um, and that was three of them came on that on that big drive right before right before halftime. So, um, they just haven't been able to figure out the third down package that they like to use. It's it's typically a dime package where they have um, four down with one linebacker or and six defensive backs sometimes it's it's three now with two linebackers they have a couple different versions of it but um i mean i they ran a you know florida had a screen pass it was what third and 12 and they ran a screen pass Tennessee dropped eight and they still couldn't get the guy down i mean like it, it should be pretty straightforward right even if you have three offensive linemen out there your number should be advantageous where you have one guy that goes up and makes play right tackle yeah. a guy set at eight yards and you're fine right um it's just it, you know. It to me, uh, to me, I think the defensive backfield maybe has been the biggest disappointment uh, for Tennessee this season. To me, I mean, when you look at who they had coming back there, when you look at the coaching that they have back there, I mean, Jeremy Pruitt, and Derek Ainsley, they aren't they aren't morons when it comes to coaching defensive backs. So they know what they're doing, um, but this group just seems to make mistakes. They seem to be out of position a lot. They seem to, um, you know, they just can't cover the back end for whatever reason. And, and Pruitt sounded obviously very annoyed after the game, talking about how. Uh, I think on three of Florida's third downs, they were supposed to be playing inside leverage, right? To take away the middle of the field, it's been a problem all season, correct? Yep. Then, um, and, and they don't play it right, and Florida still completes a pass over the middle. So that, that has to be really frustrating as a coach when you have a call like that. That's true. I mean, yeah, you know, at some point it gets, it gets back to the fact that I, I get that coaches are frustrated, um, and I get that, you know, it, it, it's a tough spot, but you've either got to get better players or you got to coach them better. I mean, that's those are your only well, two choices, I, right? And I think, and I think for the defensive front, I think it's more. Um, I, I think they need better players up there. They're, they their defensive line and, and their line and their their outside linebackers are just they just kind of there. They don't really make a huge impact on the game. Yeah, the, I think the defensive line's okay. I think that I mean they're not great. They're just okay. But I think they've gotten better. I think later in the season. But the the but the pass rush has just got to get better. Well, it, you know they had like what two sacks of Kyle Trask and then the other thirty five dropbacks he didn't. You know he was hardly hardly affected. Right. I yep. mean there were some plays especially on that drive there in the fourth quarter when, um, I mean, he had all day to throw. Uh, you know, the, the touchdown he threw to make it 31-7 was a scramble drill where he had all sorts of time. So, And they weren't even close to him. It's not like he got flush. It's like he just rolled out to extend the play. Um, and, you know, like I said, they just don't have any guys up front that, that impact the game, that disrupt the game. They don't have guys that get in the backfield. They don't have guys that push the pocket. 
uh, with Daryl Taylor gone and, uh, you know, they don't have anybody that's coming off the edge that can beat tackles one-on-one. Um, and, and, you know, DeAndre Johnson and Kevon Bennett have put up some good numbers, but it's like uh, they'll disappear for three quarters of a the game and then have a stretch where, you know, they show up a lot, right? Yep. Um, and with Bennett gone, you know, I think Tyler Barron got a sack tonight because uh, he was just not blocked. I mean, that's, you know, that was a mistake. And, you know, they took advantage of it, but it's like, you know, that's what has to happen for Tennessee to get pressure. Sometimes you get blocked um, and you still have to go make a play. That's what good players do. I mean, they need some guys, you know, Pruitt likes to say they need erasers in the back, you know, in the second guy. They also need guys in the front that can beat somebody one-on-one, right? I mean, they need somebody as uh, as an edge rusher, as an interior pass rusher, and even against the run, too. They need guys that do more than just kind of pull the pocket right yeah and you, in the you, back, need, and, you need you need enforcers up front and erasers in the back and i think at, at linebacker and in the secondary i think they need more speed right yeah and i don't know if guys are playing slow for whatever reason they should be playing slow a lot of these guys have been in the system for two two and three years it shouldn't be complicated anymore right i mean you should know you know you know jalen mccullough has been in this program for almost two years he's he's really had a tough year um and I didn't see that coming. I thought McCullough would kind of build off what he did at the end of last season. But for whatever reason, he hasn't done it. Um, you know, they're having to play Theo Jackson out of position. He's not a star, but they're having to play him there because of what's going on with Schamberger. Um, and for whatever reason, they can't get Key Lawrence ready. Uh, and so, they, they, you know, they just have some guys playing out of position there. They have some guys that are playing hurt. I think Bryce Thompson's playing hurt. Alante Taylor might be playing hurt. Yes, the, they're, um, they're, they're, that, yeah, Taylor's had a bum hamstring all season, and and you know Thompson's had a couple issues, including an ankle and, that's been bothering him. And Pruitt's talked about you know you know Trayvon Flowers and Dale McCullough dealing with some stuff too. So you know they're having some issues back there, but um, and, and you know I don't want to skew with these guys too much because again they're, they're playing you know Kadarius Tony, Trayvon Grimes, and Cobb Pitts are all going to play in the NFL and probably play it pretty. You know, they're, they might be in the NFL for a minute. So Kyle, Kyle Pitts is, is – is, I just think he any, – any team, if you don't need a quarterback in the first round and you don't take Kyle Pitts, I think you're a freaking idiot. Well, we know Grant Ramey and Chicago Bears need a quarterback. Well, according to Grant, they do. Yeah. Some would say they have a Super Bowl winner on the roster already. Some would say. Some would say. But I mean, I, <laughs> I'm just messing with Grant because he's not here and he can't defend himself. You, but you know, I, I just I, I think that, and, and I don't I don't want to derail this because we're getting ready to step out of here, Pat. But I, I do wonder if it's I wonder if they're missing Craig Fitzgerald a little bit. I do wonder that sometimes. I wonder if um, if maybe it's just been an, an awkward off season, and, and for a new strength coach, maybe that would be a tough to just kind of step in. I don't know if it matters at all. Um, but I mean, you just you see, you know, the way some of these games are going in the second half that they, they have been going, and the fact that they're just not quite explosive enough at times. And I, I just wonder if they're missing Fitzgerald sometimes. I don't know if I buy that. To be honest, I, I would say it's probably just a thought. Just, I don't, I don't know that it's that it's something that I. It's just a thought that's crossed my mind before. Probably the off season being odd. You know, being three months at home where you can't. You know, a lot of these guys didn't have access to gyms and whatnot i mean I, I don't know if that's still an impact here where i mean we're, we're in december now but um you know it's, it's not like I, I don't think aj artists is you know throughout everything that fits did I, as far as i understand they're doing a lot of the same stuff right from a strength standpoint yeah because he just um, he just stepped in for the to the number one spot so yeah so i i don't i don't know that i would i, I don't I, I think that's a theory but i don't i don't <laughs> i wouldn't 
I wouldn't subscribe to it. That, but, that's like yeah. the nicest way you've ever disagreed with me. And frankly, I'm a little disappointed if I'm being honest. I just, I just yeah, the, the thing I can't really, you know, I, I get that, um, you know, with the defensive line, they kind of were like this last year, right? They didn't have, you know, they didn't have guys that were blowing stuff up every play, right? They kind of were able to, to do a solid job up front, and that's what they did. Yeah, and so and Aubrey, Aubrey, had, Solomon, Aubrey Solomon's always hurt. He got hurt again tonight. Poor dude's never been healthy since he's been well, at Tennessee. Yeah. You know, last, last season they had Daryl Taylor. He was the guy that made a difference off the edge. He was the guy that teams had to account for, and that opened up some stuff on the other side for some of the other guys. Don't have that this year. At linebacker, um, I think Henry Toa-Toa has, has, you know, not playing next to Daniel Batuli has hurt him. Um, Kavaris Crouch and, and Jeremy Banks are both former running backs that probably need time, right? I mean, they're, they're both sophomores. You know, I think we had a thread on, on the checkerboard talking about Crouch being a bust, and it's like he's been here for, you know, he's a sophomore, right? I mean, he, he's he been a, you know, he's been an inside linebacker for less than a year, and he didn't get a spring. Um, and so, you know, is he playing his best position? You know, that, that could, you know, that's a conversation that's probably worth having. But for him as a linebacker, you know, he, he he's just not been there long enough to, you know, play it. And, he didn't, you know, he didn't really play it in high school. And even if he did play it in high school, he was hurt his senior year. And Jeremy Banks was out of the program for 10 months. So, um, you know, there needs to be some development there. We haven't seen it yet, but those guys are still young. The, the thing that I can't figure out is the secondary, right? I mean, that, that's been the most – baffling part especially, especially because they, they are with Pruitt and Ansley people can disagree all they want but I'm telling you if you don't if you don't understand this you're just wrong Ansley and Pruitt are very 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 good secondary coaches two of the very best in the college business so I, I'm, I'm not buying this whole they're overrated as defensive coaches I don't buy that for a second you know, th- those guys ask anyone in the game those guys are really really good secondary coaches and they've got some guys back there who you know were touted prospects and have been solid players before they just you know they just they they just they got to get better there it's it's been a shock to me and that's you know that's what that's what doesn't make any sense to me is that you had a lot of guys coming back that have been you know first of all they played a lot right yep uh i mean trayvon flowers is a junior he's been in the program for three years he's been hurt yeah he's you know he's missed a lot of time in springs and you know you know he missed half a season what twice so um you know that that's he he's a junior he's listed as junior but he just you know he's not like a third year starter or anything right so um you know and, and McCullough, you know he wasn't too slow last year was he when he was a freshman you didn't, know didn't I, look you like know, it now and, and like you know i mentioned i mentioned theo jackson i mean he's he's doing the best he can he's he's just playing opposition he's he's not a star pruitt said it after the south carolina game yep uh, when they had to put him in there because because uh, uh, Schamberger wasn't there, so you know that's you know Schamberger situation maybe that's disrupted it. Obviously, not having Nigel Warrior, apparently that guy uh, was more valuable than we knew at the time, uh, and maybe you know some of the mistakes they've had and, and what they're in terms of what they're playing coverage wise, maybe some of that stuff is is down to him not being there. But uh, if you were making those mistakes early, right? That's one thing, but if you're making them here in game number eight, you know that that's a different story. You you should be able to have guys that that know how to play what they're supposed to play. And Tennessee apparently still having issues like that, and yeah, that just it, makes it even more confusing and more maddening because it you know it, it shouldn't you know it, it should be better than this, and it's not. Um, and again, we also have to point out that Florida's really good on offense. So. Oh yeah, that's why I'm not complaining about the. I mean, you know. 
Florida had a couple of third long conversions, but when you hold Florida to what six point eight or whatever yards of play and thirty one points, and I, that, that as far as I'm concerned, Tennessee's defense played well enough against Florida to give them a chance if the offense had done anything, and the offense yeah, just didn't. I would agree with that, but um, but again, I just I, I can't figure. I mean, and even if Tennessee played, even if they made the right call. 95 percent of the time and they executed those calls if they did what they were supposed to do every play florida's still gonna make some plays because they have some really good players so yeah i mean they they had they uh, had pits blanked it a couple times it didn't matter and, and that's you know and, and that's and again like i said we have it's circular right the secondary also sometimes they can't cover because carl trask is all day to throw the ball so it it's 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 an issue at every level i know the defensive backfield was taking a lot of heat during the game because florida had a lot of guys open but Part of that's down to no pressure on the quarterback, and they have NFL guys running routes on you. And Tennessee's guys, I'm not sure they're NFL guys at this point. Um, and so it's just, yeah, yeah, that that's just something that's a season long problem that I don't want to say it was exposed today necessarily. Um, but I mean, they gave up what 417 passing yards. I mean, something like that. Yeah, that's a lot. Four, of yeah, four. I think 433, maybe 433. Yeah, I mean that's that's a lot. A lot of yards. Yeah, it is. Hard to say the def- hard to say the backfield hard to say the secondary played well when you give up that many yards. No, that's but. true, but I mean I, I still think overall, I mean, you know, you you hold you look at Florida's offensive numbers there, and if you had given me that going into the game, if you had told me before that game started Florida's going to score thirty one points, I would say where do I sign that, and how much money do you want for that deal? That that's that's what I would say. Because it's a season low in points, right? Yeah, I mean it's a season low in in in, in yards per play. Um, you know, only six of thirteen or, or six of fourteen combined on third and fourth down. You know, nineteen rushing yards. I mean, they, they they did enough defensively to be competitive. They just they just just didn't do anything offensively. But I guess that's where it is until proven otherwise. Pat, you got anything else? I'm good, man. Are you good? Uh, good enough. It's gonna be another long night at the office, but uh, good. We'll make it work. Good enough is is all we need. Yeah, that's uh, we 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 will give every bit the performance that Tennessee does. We'll we will match that. So um, so we'll just be okay. That's just what we'll do. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for the time, Pat. No problem. See you, man. Guys, thank you for listening. If I can get the button hit correctly, thank you for listening. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, twenty four seven on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P Brown, twenty four seven. On Twitter, Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter, and Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else on Twitter, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7, which we update throughout the day all the time. Not just all vols all the time on there, but but mostly just fall stuff on there. Also some Preds and some you know Titans, Grizzlies, other things that we think you might be interested in as a Tennessee fan, but the um, majority of the stuff on there is Vol stuff. But if you just want uh, the best, just the most delicious East Tennessee Mountain, Smoky Mountain spring water just right from the tap, you can go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get Tennessee football coverage, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, baseball, Lady Vols coverage, where, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us. Also, quick Tennessee basketball news, they're now playing Colorado. The 13th-ranked Vols are opening against Colorado on Tuesday, so we'll have more about that early next week, get you a little discussion on that game in Monday's edition of the podcast. But uh, if you want all of that stuff, all that stuff I just mentioned, all of it, 
for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. You can get that at GoBalls247.com. And if you're already a member and you pay us full price, which is still, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, especially with delivery tips and everything you got to do in this this uh, Uber Eats and you know DoorDash and everything we're doing in this era, cheaper than that. We'll get you access to GoBoss247.com. And if you pay us full price, you get access in perpetuity to CBS All Access, which is uh, every show that CBS uh, has ever made, commercial-free, new movies every single month, uh, all kinds of stuff, some some good holiday favorites on there right now. Uh, you've also got live sports with uh, Tennessee football, Tennessee basketball, uh, March Madness, NCAA tournament basketball obviously you got nfl stuff on there all kinds of good stuff on there and in addition to that if that weren't enough and that would be enough if that weren't enough you also get comedy central access there you get uh, mtv and bet access there you get um, nickelodeon and smithsonian for the kids on there if i can get my brain to work at this hour you get all of that which is a 100 plus annual value for free no one else can give you that deal, guys. No one else can give you something like that. We can give you that. So go check it out. Go commiserate. Go to the watering hole digitally right now and commiserate with Tennessee fans about where this football program is and where it's going and get a little excited about basketball season, which, knock on wood, will start next week. If you don't hear anything else, if there's no breaking news on Sunday, we should have our next edition of the podcast on Monday. And, um, guys, just keep wearing your mask, keep washing your hands, keep being as distant as you possibly can be. Let's hope this vaccine gets here and we can get through this, but uh, we got to do our part, guys. Numbers aren't looking good. Let's get through this, and we will see you Monday. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.